This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals. The information presented is for general educational purposes only and should not be used as professional medical advice or for the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions. The views and opinions expressed do not represent the views and opinions of our employer or any affiliated institution. Expressed opinions are based on scientific facts under certain conditions and subject to certain assumptions and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions or in any legal proceeding. Full terms and conditions can be found at portablebeads.com. And now onto the episode. Welcome back to Portable Peds, the Pediatric Board Review Podcast. Today we have a bonus episode for you as we continue to learn more about neonatal jaundice. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, Brian. Hi, guys. So let's go ahead and dive right in. A child presents to your primary care clinic who is three days old and exclusively breastfed. She is of European descent and was born at 36 weeks gestational age. Pregnancy, labor, delivery, and postnatal course were uncomplicated. Mom's blood type was A positive, and this is her first child. The infant was discharged at 24 hours of life, and her bilirubin level at that time was 6 milligrams per deciliter. All of this was indirect. And this corresponds to a low intermediate risk level for developing severe hyperbilirubinemia. She appears jaundiced on exam, and you note that she has lost approximately 8% of her birth weight. Her current total serum bilirubin is 12 milligrams per deciliter. All of this is indirect. You continue to trend bilirubin levels in your office throughout the week. Her total bilirubin level peaks on day of life 4 and is downtrending by day of life 6. What is the most likely etiology of her jaundice? A. Breast milk jaundice. B. Breastfeeding jaundice, C. ABO incompatibility, D. Biliary atresia, or E. G6PD deficiency. Take a couple seconds and think about your answer. All right, so if you need a second to think about it, feel free to pause the podcast. The case is listed in the show notes, but if you're ready, we'll just keep on going. So the correct answer for this is answer choice B, breastfeeding jaundice. So over 60% of healthy newborns will develop jaundice. It's super common, and the first step in any question about jaundice is to determine if the bilirubin is direct or indirect. Direct hyperbilirubinemia is often of concern, and we actually discussed that more in depth on the previous episode that came out today as well. Now, when it comes to indirect hyperbilirubinemia, that's mostly what this episode's about. So breastfeeding jaundice is a form of indirect hyperbilirubinemia, which develops between day of life two to four. It peaks around day of life four or five, and it typically resolves by two weeks of life. Breastfeeding jaundice is mainly caused by inadequate milk intake, especially while the mother's milk is still coming in. It's easy, however, to mix this up with breast milk jaundice, which was answer choice A. Breast milk jaundice develops later in life. Breast milk jaundice is also a cause of indirect hyperbilirubinemia and peaks on day of life 5 to 15 and can take up to 12 weeks to resolve. In contrast to breastfeeding jaundice, these infants are usually feeding well and have good weight gain. So, Liz, you want to talk about some of the other answer choices? Sure. Our next answer choice was ABO incompatibility. This is another cause of indirect hyperbilirubinemia, and it is essentially ruled out in this situation as mom's blood type is A positive. ABO incompatibility should primarily be considered in infants born to mothers whose blood type is O. Our next answer was biliary atresia. This is incorrect as it is a cause of direct hyperbilirubinemia as compared to the indirect hyperbilirubinemia, which was seen in this question. To learn more about this, tune into our episode from today on direct hyperbilirubinemia. 
Our last answer was G6PD, or glucose-6-phosphate dehydrogenase deficiency, which is another cause of indirect hyperbilirubinemia. It is, however, unlikely in this infant. G6PD deficiency is an X-linked recessive genetic condition that is most common in males of African, Asian, Middle Eastern, and Mediterranean descent. In the United States, African-American males are the most commonly affected group. G6PD deficiency increases the vulnerability of erythrocytes to oxidative stress. Fava beans and oxidative medications, including many sulfa medications and nitroferentoin, should be avoided in G6PD deficiency as these may trigger an acute hemolytic reaction. Fava beans and oxidative medications must also be avoided in breastfeeding mothers as they may be transmitted through breast milk and lead to a hemolytic reaction in the infant. And before we wrap up, there's just a couple things we wanted to discuss as well for other high-yield topics from this question. First, the American Academy of Pediatrics, or the AAP, recommends that any infant discharged at 24 hours of life or younger should be seen by their PCP by 72 hours of life. Finally, some major risk factors for the development of severe hyperbilirubinemia to keep in mind include jaundice in the first 24 hours of life, blood group incompatibility with a positive direct Coombs test, prematurity, previous siblings requiring phototherapy, cephalohematomas or other bruising, exclusive breastfeeding, and infants of East Asian descent. Well, that about does it for this episode. Thanks for joining us on our first bonus episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to tell a friend about the podcast. It helps spread the word and helps us reach out to more people, which is ultimately the goal of this. Tune in next week where we talk about necrotizing enterocolitis or NEC as part of our newborn series for the month. Happy studying! Happy studying!